what you're saying is not like in inherently incompatible with the idea of having a high view of theology. I think the problem is that when my high view of theology gets in the way of me knowing God and me fellowshipping, fellowshipping with brothers and sisters. Hey, Pantry fam. Are you looking for more faith-based podcasts, but you don't know where to go? The Access More Podcast Network has over 40 shows on topics like faith, culture, family, and entertainment, and offers a safe space to discover inspiring conversations. So if you're a fan of this show, you're going to find encouragement, hope, and joy from other podcasts on Access More. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Hey, I'm Shay. And I'm Michelle. And this is the Pantry Podcast, a show for those who want to be challenged, sifted, and changed by Jesus, not junk food. Learn to contextualize God's word in your life and discern the simplicity of the gospel amidst the complexity of his saints. This is season 11, Breaks and Builds. We're looking at what God has called his church to be and how well we're hitting or missing these marks today. So welcome, sit down and join us and friends from over 90 countries in the pantry. Now let's dig into the meal. Why is the Christian church at war with itself? We see Christians constantly battling. My, the- my theology is, is better than your theology. Um, and really, when you look at the word theology, you're looking at two Greek for- words that are combined to form the study of God. Christian theology is simply an attempt to understand God as he is revealed in the Bible. But, you know, I, I look at that and I start to unpack this and I'm like, well, are we getting it right? Do we get it right? I think this is something that all believers go through. It's like, wait, am I am I getting this? Am I going through this? Wait, is it right? Wait, is what they're saying right? And you go through this constant battle within yourself. And, and I was looking through this and I came to Romans. Romans 11, 33 through 36 says, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible is it for us to understand his decisions and his ways? For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. When I read that, I'm like, okay, this says I'm not going to get it right all the time. And then if you continue that on into 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 10, it says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But then what that which is perfect has come. And then that which is in part will be done away with. Amazing. So then why do we have these theology wars? Yeah, you know, breaks and builds. This is something that is doing a lot more breaking than building as far as relationships in the local churches. There's most most churches only know the members within those four walls and they have no idea what other Christians live in their vicinity at all. There, there might be other Christians on the block, but if they don't go to the same church, can you trust them? You know, um, and I, I think that that is something that needs to be reconciled. That's something that, you know, what is what actually matters and what doesn't matter when it comes to what what should you be standing up for like with war in your heart for um, when it comes to the truth so we brought on an amazing guest um, someone that we know and we love he's a friend he's local out of Baltimore um, by way of France an incredibly talented and intelligent apologist and he said to keep it short because he's also very humble but um but we've learned a lot from him in our own apologetics class and we're excited to see where this goes so please welcome philippe saraji welcome hey, welcome to the show Hi guys 
Hi. Hi. You, you said condense that, and she threw in some of the biggest, fattest, <laughs> juiciest like descriptions ever. I, I love just kept it. Going. I, love I was it. like, I'm so impressed. Like, I love hearing what he has to say. Right. So now a little background on that too. He's right now. He taught the first three classes of our apologetics class, and yes. it was like on point because yes. I think he really has it dialed in. But welcome to the show, yes. and and we really are here because and we asked you on. We were going to try to do this one by ourselves, to be real, and then I was like. <laughs> Uh, you know what? You said something in the apologetics class that really sparked uh, this this thought. It was like, you know, you can't have apologetics without evangelism. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, evangelism can stand out here by itself, but but apologetics can't. And I think I was, at that point, I was like, OK, that takes us right back to the gospel. Yeah. So welcome. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I think it's I'm very happy to be with you, with you guys today. Yes, I'm, I'm enjoying the classes on Monday nights in Silver Springs. I think it's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We've gleaned a lot. And yeah, I remember during the most recent class that we were all at, you were talking about a friend of yours that you know that you don't agree on all of the, and I think you use theology, you don't agree on every angle of theology. Um, But you just you know, that, that, that phrase that so many Christians actually hate to hear because they think it needs to be so cut and dry, but like you agree to disagree on some yeah. things as long as you agree on other things. So, so kind of where, where have you landed in this when you think of theology wars? Um, I mean, before I came here, I, I studied a few years in, in a, in a seminary, which is, which has a different theology. And the goal of, for me to go to that seminary was because they had a very good apologetical apologetics um, program. And they had they're very sound in, in their in their apologetics, and they were interested. And I learned a few lessons being exposed to Christians that have different views. And that view in particular was reformed, which is there's a few differences with, in the way we understand, for example, the election of God. You know, what, what is the mean of the election of God? And the few things I've learned through that experience is number one is that my convictions matter more than my opinions meaning that most of the time people will defend what they believe is an opinion but rather than the conviction because they are insecure about what they believe. And I think the war between brothers and sisters come with the, from the insecurity of my own convictions. Uh, and I've noticed in my time there that the people that I had the most violent encounters were the students, not the professors. Because the professors are set in their ways, they know what they believe, they don't feel that they have to violently defend their convictions because they are not opinions, right? That's that's the way I would use the difference between opinions and convictions. So when we believe something strongly, then we're securing it so we don't have to be violently defending it. Uh, That was the first lesson. The other one was, is that in a way you could ask the question this way, what does it take to be saved? Um, and you, when you look at the cross and you look at the thief on the cross, he didn't have much theology either, right? So with these things, I'm just, I was wondering, okay, in a way, what does really, what, what matters, you know, in, in my relationship with others is not, um, it has to be defined. And one way that I've, that I've tried to do this for me, and that's maybe one more thing I can say before we, we go into the conversation, was I draw in the way you could call concentric circles, right? You have the core of what I believe is the cardinal doctrines. If you don't believe that, then we, we can't really have fellowship because if you don't believe these, you can't be saved. 
Um, so our relationship would be the gospel and try evangelism. The second level is the major doctrines in the Bible that can divide us because we really think they are brothers and sisters, but they believe things that are so different that it would prevent working together. Like if they believe you can lose your salvation, it's going to be hard for me to do an outreach with you because the message we'll bring will be different. I, can, I consider you as a brother. I love you. But the, the, the working together would be a problem. Number three level would be the convictions that are minor doctrines, but big enough for me to live in the several church. Uh, in our church, we do communion once a month. In your church, you believe that you have to do communion every time you meet. Um, doesn't really matter. I think I don't agree with the fact you have to do it, but I agree with the fact that if we do a service together, I will do the communion with you because I love communion as well. So that's and the fourth level really is within the same church. The way we raise our children, the way we do our devotional, our difference, and these are a matter of opinions for which the Bible gives us a lot of room. And once I understand this, then I will choose my wars properly. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I've heard it as like A, B, C levels, like, you know, the the absolute things. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what B stands for, but then C is like your personal conviction. Yes. So B is like the stuff that, like the biblical stuff around that and then the convictions. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think about this because I, I, we're, we're in spaces, we've all been in spaces, you've been around the church for I don't know how many years, like like a couple. But <laughs> <laughs> Just a few. Just a few. <laughs> but uh and we see this constant, but we do see this battle. We do see this tearing apart. Um, I like what you did right there. You broke it down. It's like, okay, well, we have our, our primary, our primary belief, you know, our, our, our foundational belief. And then of course we, we branch out into the secondaries. And I think what a lot of people get confused on is where those lines are drawn. Yes. Like, and, and I, the more that I sit in these spaces, the more that I interact in these spaces, the more you interact in, in, okay, so we're an evangelistic church. We like to go out and we like to evangelize. We like to go door knocking. Okay, I don't, but I, I like to get out on the street. Yeah. <laughs> door knocking is not my thing, but uh, that's not, everybody, everybody has a different one, mm-hmm. but we encounter different people all the time, but, and we can't just sit here and say, no, nah, we're good. We're good as a church because I really start to see a weakness in this. I really start to see when we start to fight one another, um, we're really having (laughs) the world sees us the same as the world is. The world sees us as like this group that talks about love and mercy and grace and and forgiveness and peace and kindness. And and of course, truth and love. I mean, let's not be let's not throw that that out on the bus because, you know, hey, he didn't come. He didn't come just to be friendly. Right. Jesus came with a sword and to divide families. But where? Oh, man, it's like. When you see these things, how do you approach somebody when you have this 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 head to head and it's like, OK, look, we're just not going to agree or we, we can we talk about this? What do you do when you're in that space and you run into people who are standing against you in secondary theology? Yeah, it really depends who I am talking to. Like, for example, if I'm in a classroom and I'm teaching and I like I used to be in Paris, for example, I want to say like maybe 90 percent of the students in my class in Paris were from a vast majority of different, the vast majority was were from different churches, not necessarily our churches. So you had in seeing the same class in theology, we would talk about salvation. And on the one hand, you would have a charismatic church, a goer who would believe that you can lose your salvation. And on the other end of the spectrum, you would have 
a brethren child goer who would just believe that you know the bible is true in in many i mean there's no emotions in their thinking it's all about theology and then you can imagine the difference in how the class went and and the one thing we always did was very simple number one is we answer with the bible we don't answer with our traditions and that i think is something that it would, it would be worthwhile talking about is how much our traditions or our our ecclesiastical understanding is kind of uh, way on the way we think about others you know like you you know you're not from me you're not with me you're on the other side you know and that's something that we need to be aware of because many times Christians will defend what they believe is truth, but it's more likely a tradition within within the the, the wider circles. And once I understand that, and and uh, like I go back to the, my class, for example, we used to say, okay, well, let's go to the text, right? What does the Bible say? And then we read this, and we would we would actually open and have conversations about the Bible itself. And actually, what built what what. What it did in the context of a class where they really build relationship that what it puts us together is is the word of God, not our own uh, traditions and views that would be interpreting what the Bible says. And I've really helped a lot in the conversations. Hmm. Yeah, I, when I read, I'm online lurking in a lot of conversations about theological differences and there's a lot of people that they tend to gain a following because they're articulate yes. and they will speak with authority that none of us really have <laughs> in the sense of like they're they're like so sure that their way is so absolutely true um, and and I think that some of the reasoning that that is utilized by all sides is this idea that if if you teach different, you're leading people off to hell because if you've come to a different conclusion, mm -hmm. you don't understand who Jesus really is. And if you don't really know who Jesus is, then how could you actually have submitted to him? Because wouldn't you know who Jesus is? Mm -hmm. And so that kind of circular reasoning mm -hmm. ends up trapping people into a circle of self-doubt. Well, what if they're right? And what if I'm wrong? Now it's the stake of, am I really saved? It's a stake of, you know, has my church been leading me not just down something that might get corrected at the Bema seat, but like, am I even going to see the Bema seat because of what they've taught me? Yeah. And I think that what you said about that, that inner, those core, um, those core tenets of, of being a Christian, those are obviously the ones that we all need to unite around. But um, what what is your opinion on those kinds of tactics that are used by by, by people? You know, you might have someone who's a who's reformed over here saying that you know about you know election or or even doing something spe um, a specific activity, and then over here you'll have someone who's charismatic saying the exact same thing about you know if you think your salvation's secure, you're not even saved. You know, so so kind of how should the Christian who's on the outside seeing these ping pong conversations mm -hmm. going, how can they arm themselves with both humility that they themselves don't have all the answers, but also with at least some ease that they are in fact in a relationship with Christ, even if they disagree with, with such confident people? Yeah, well, I think it's, we go back to what we said earlier. I think one thing that I found out with my, with the experience that I had when I was myself you know, a student, I realized that, um, convictions make a difference, okay? So when I say convictions I, as opposed to opinions, the point is, I mean, people think they have convictions. 
And I think sometimes those convictions are merely just opinions because they really cannot back it up. And I think, I really think for ourselves, like, I mean, you, you mentioned online. I think one, one of the problems I find with online conversation is that you have to be very gifted in short and saying in very short things that are, that are poignant. If you don't have that, you have no chance in having a place in the debate. And then you find yourself, oh my God, I don't know what to say, therefore I'm wrong. It's not because I don't have all the answers that are necessarily wrong. I don't, I did something that, and, and that's why I'm saying we need to go back to the idea of personal convictions. Uh, what I need to do is, is uh, because I'm exposed to so many other views, like 20 years, 30 years ago, there was no YouTube, there was none of those things. And people will have to have one church, so they go there. So now you have a good side, which is now yes, your 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 beliefs are being challenged, at, and I think it's a good thing. Otherwise, you live with opinions by proxy, because you hear you, the preacher on Sunday morning, and you you agree with him, but you don't, you don't really know. And Act seventeen eleven, you know, the Bereans were presented as having a better opinions or a better attitude than the, the uh, those of. Thessalonica, because they checked every day in scriptures to hear, uh, to verify that what they heard was according to scriptures, and their teachers were Paul, Paul and Bar Barnabas, and the top-notch theologians of the century at the time. So their attitude was, okay, I'm going to go back to scripture and build my own convictions, because at the end of the day, when the conversation is over, when, when, the, uh, when the online chat is over, when the message is over on Sunday morning, I have to leave before God in the word of God and what is my conviction. And once I know what it is, I move on from the debate because I think many of those debates are completely useless. And we spend mm -hmm. a lot of time discussing with people that we disagree with and we don't even spend the time with the lost people that need to hear the gospel. So I, I think as Christians, we need to live before God. We need to know what the Bible says, build our own convictions, and that helps us move away from useless debates. Like, I like what you're saying, actually. I really do about like convictions. Uh, number one, convictions aren't opinions. And, and I love how you're breaking that because like a lot of people sit there and say, I got a conviction. But wait, was this a Holy Spirit conviction? Mm -hmm. Was this given a conviction that was given to you through the word of God? Was this something that is, you know, where, where you know, it's the word of God who, that is uh, cutting us to the bone, right? And marrow. Is it something that is coming from the word of God or is it something that's coming from just you and your opinion on what how the word of God is translated? Yeah. I think that sometimes we are overconfident in how we see that. Um, and especially when you get into secondary theology, primary theology, I'm with you. I, I'm like, no, I, I don't bend. I'm sorry. Finish work, grace. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, you're not going to lose the Holy Spirit and I can roll with you. And everything that you're saying, I've experienced everything <laughs> that you're saying. It's like you get into But you know what? I think sometimes it's good for us to go through this because we learn a lot of stuff. Yes, we do. We learn like because. I'm telling you, in the first four or five years that I was in this WhatsApp group from Africa, and let me tell you something, it was multiple church people from different everything, and it was a constant, just a war about secondary theology. Does the Bible tell you you have to tithe? Uh, yeah. You know, are you supposed to? Are you supposed to have a Sabbath? Um, I could just keep listing all should, of these things. Should you know, women wear pants? Oh yeah, should women? Oh yeah, one of them was even like, should women even wear pants? And I'm just like. Okay, but you know what? Everything, watch this, Berean, right? Yeah, the Bereans, I was taking, what I learned out of that season was I kept going back to the Bible. Mm -hmm. I never just stood out there like I confidently had all of the answers. One thing that's nice about the internet is that you can pause the internet. 
you can sit there and not come back with an answer and look, go study, go read, yeah. go look. Half the time I come back, I'm like, I don't even want to answer. <laughs> that's that's these days. But so digging into that, because I think that sometimes we, we miss the point. Like you were re- reform. You were mentioning that you're going towards that a minute ago. And, you know, the the elected or the you know, the how, how, how do they break that down? It's the the elect and then the the overall you mean the, the five what points we believe. Calvinist, like the G- yeah well yeah but there's the yeah the um what is the t or the the l oh limited limited atonement, limited atonement. Yeah. there we go and then general atonement well i've come to a conclusion in my life right and this might get bad on us and people might come after us but i'm like hold on god is omniscient right so regardless of which one you believe right so let's go back to the basis let's walk this back for a second god is omniscient mm-hmm. He knows who is and who isn't going to say yes to his son. It's just it's it's that simple. So then it comes out the other side. You're saved or you're not saved. <laughs> and so I sit there in those debates sometimes and I'm just like, y'all, do you not get the fact that like whoever is saved is going to be saved and God knew they were going to be saved? But I mean, like, I, how do you carry this conversation and keep going? Because it's like I, sometimes I just want to be like, stop it, stop it. So what are some of the examples? Like who have you come across? Can you give us a breakdown of something that you've experienced, how you addressed it, how you had, and went towards it? Cause I know you've given us some great ones on people who don't believe in God, yeah. <laughs> but now these are a bunch of people who believe in God, but have a problem. So is there any, like something that's happened in your life that you have gone through that you could like describe to us how it worked itself out or how you worked through it? Yeah. I mean, a few principles. Number one is that truth, truth does matter. So, like I'm not, I'm not ready to make compromises with what I believe to be true. So if I, if I, if if I'm talking to someone and we, it's, you know, because people might be concerned about the fact, okay, well, you guys, what are you talking about? Should we just, you know, is everybody at the same? Is every truth true? No, it, no. We, I, I, the point is, you said the earlier is like you know, we agree to disagree, even though it doesn't sound like it sounds cliche, but it's true. Like we agree to disagree. But the other thing is, the other point for me is, is that I don't think God called me to correct people. This is not my goal. Mm. And and if I have students in my class that will answer questions, I will teach. And if I teach something, it's because I believe I know what the Bible says about it. And I can defend what I believe you know, I, ha- I have in the past. Like, for example, my nephew he's, he's, uh, lives in Canada and he studies in a Reformed seminary which we have differences. And I wrote articles, um, it's it's in the French part of it. So I wrote articles in the theological journals on my viewpoint on, on apologetics. And and those his professors read the articles and they were interested in having conversations. So when we went to visit with my wife one day for his wedding, actually, they were there at the wedding and we had a conversation. And, and they were shocked that I was not reformed because where I wrote was a reformed journal. You know, what I said was, close to the reform view of apologetics, we had this conversation. And the whole the whole conversation went around, you know, uh, so so it lasts for an hour, I think an hour, 15 minutes. And they were really there trying to grill me to show me that I have to change my viewpoints because I should be a reformed thinker because, you know, of what I, you know, so but so I went back and forth and then and I, I stood my ground, I explained to, to those two professors why I disagree and I showed them that, and I realized at that point, something very interesting. Number one is I was thankful that I went to a reform seminary because I didn't have a con- falsely constructed idea of what they believed. And that is something sometimes that I found very interesting is, you know, you've heard about the other strawman argument, right? You build a strawman so you can destroy it easily. And I found myself to be like this 
years ago when I thought I understood the reform uh, thinking, but I didn't. And by going there, now I know, now we can have a conversation. And the other thing that I realized in the conversation is that they were the same. They thought they knew what I was believing, but they didn't. In their mind, if you're not a reform thinker or theologian, you're necessarily an Armenian uh, thinking, meaning you can lose your salvation and you have to work for it. And we spoke, I told him, now I believe a third way, this is what I believe the Bible is true, and we have this conversation. And I think, uh, but I did say at the outset of the conversation, I'm not there to convince you. You ask me my opinion. I want to have this conversation with you. But... I really set in my mind, in my heart, I believe that I'm uh, that God puts me in a place to serve in a church on which, as a teacher, I will have I will have an influence. But I'm not trying to have an influence on others. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not trying to correct you. I don't go out in the street and find churches to correct them. That would be so wrong, you know. But the the, mm. the online version gives you that opportunity. You go and and, and you you go after people. And I see that on Facebook sometimes. So interesting. There is some websites that are completely dedicated on telling why others are wrong. And I don't think that I, I, I don't agree with that. No, I don't. I just don't. Right. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. The, the ripping apart yeah. of the saints. Yeah. Um, mm. It's it's. I, I've come back and forth, you know, it's it's a pendulum. A lot of things in the Christian walk seem to be pendulums, especially in my life. But you, you know, sometimes I lean towards, you know, Calvinist or reformed uh, pastors because of just the way they're going to drive it home yeah. and they're going to say it very articulate and they're going to get it out with some authority. And you're going to feel like bing, bang, and boom. I just got smacked around a little. I feel convicted. I'm ready to go out there and rip demons heads off. But then sometimes <laughs> I'm like, you know, I, I feel like being a little more creative, you know, so I'm going to listen to a mega church pastor that actually uses the Bible and opens it, yeah. you know, like I'm, I'm down, I'm down for that. Yeah. And, you know, maybe, and they're more creative and they have a lot more stories and analogies and all that stuff, but they both speak to me. What they both do is they lead me to open my Bible. They lead me to go to my knees in prayer. And then you go out in the world and, and sometimes you lean a little far in one direction and you're like, well, you know, maybe this way's more right. And then it comes back to what does it matter? You know, sometimes I ask myself, you know, if if all of the theo- theological books that we had access to all got burned in a big pile mm-hmm. and all of us were dragged off to camps just because we refused to give up Jesus? Would we still sit in little huddle groups based on, you know, how many times you take communion or, or does a baby's baptism count or do you have to be baptized at all? Or, you know, can you lose it? Not, or would we all just be there focused on what does Jesus want me to do next? You know, and I, and I think that that's something that, you know, when you have all these Christians, we are all trying to not build God's kingdom here on earth, but build in whatever way we can build to extend his message, to get it out to more people. And some people do that through rap music that another one will say is of the devil. And and one person will do it in a suit and tie. And someone says they're too religious and another does it in tattoos and torn jeans. And someone says they're sacrilegious. And yet at the end of the day, what the, what the, what the church ends up doing at large in mass is show the world that they don't really need to come in and destroy us. We're kind of limiting ourselves to a one floor apartment building anyway because mm-hmm. we're not letting anyone build the second floor without tons of criticism tearing it down saying they didn't do it mm-hmm. right um and and so I, I love everything that you said about you know not being afraid to go to a place that loves jesus but has a different denominational label because they had a great theolo- um a, a great apologetics program mm-hmm. 
And, and I, and I think that more and more Christians, um, should strip away that fear of being led astray, um, when they're engaging with one another and instead focus, like go in boldly with that love of Christ and, and, and a security and what, and that they have the Bible at any time they can be a Berean in any moment right. and that they should be. So that, 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 yeah, I'm loving this. And I, and I, so that was going to be another thing I was going to lead in on, on a, on a thought or a question or what you think Western or Christian nations. And, and I'm not going to get into nationalism or that. It's mm-hmm. whatever. That's another episode. That's a whole another episode. <laughs> but, but, but like nations that have that Christian background seem to have a lot of time on yes. their hands. Now, <laughs> now we did see that in the Bible, there was always something, you know, there was always another group that might've been doing it just a little bit differently. Jesus at one point said, Hey, don't worry about what they're saying. At least they're saying my name, yeah. <laughs> which was kind of a cool thought. You know, mm-hmm, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. that, that's cool. All right, they're doing, they're doing miracles and all this. It's okay. Fine. It's, it's let them go. But, um, do you feel like that a lot of this is because there wasn't a constant persecution on the church? Or do you think that it came out of persecution that there were so many divisions? Because I'm, I mean, when I think of Iran and I think of China right now, and I think of these countries that are actually having revivals as some of the countries that have are supposed to be, you know, raised in Christianity are starting to fall back. Yeah. You know, is, is there, is it, is it because of like what Michelle is saying that, you know, they're Richard Warmbrandt preaching his own message in a 12 foot underground cell and, 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 and it's the Holy spirit that just keeps giving him these, these, these revelations, you know, or, or do you feel like, I mean, where do you, where do you sit on that? What yeah. do you think about that? Do you think we have too much time on our hands? That's why we end up fighting each other. I think Michelle said right earlier by saying like, if we're, if we had no theological books, just the Bible, and if we are left with the Bible, but we're under persecution, I think we would go back to 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 the basic of our of our faith. And one of the things you could say, you know, you know how we we have this expression, you know, when we did, oh my, you know, I have two cars, but one one car is broken, or my life my life is ruined. Like it's a first world problem, right? That's what, that's what we say. And I think debate really is a luxury of the first world problem in the church. Mm. I don't think that the Christians in North Korea uh, are debating in their in their you know uh, work camp whether or not they agree on. You know, they're a separate lapsarist or post-lapsarist. You know, then nobody even know what the, the words means in one way. Like, so yes, when we have the time and and God grants us the capacity to be able to develop our theology, and I need, as, as I said earlier, truth does matter. We we want to have those convictions, but then I think I, I think when we have this idea of this luxury as Westerners to have time to debate things. And, and and I think we, we're spending a lot of time uh, in doing useless things. Like, okay, well, mm-hmm. there is a world of lost people out there. What do I do about it? There is, there is. I mean, I mean, we're surrounded by people with troubles. You know, we are neighbors. Right. Uh, uh, you know, like we, we, you know, our family members, and you know, and then here we are. You know, discussing with things that that are, that matters. I mean, again, let me put it this way. They matter to me personally. Like, I, right. I do have a very strong and solid theological lines on things. I do. Like, when we did the class, you know, I don't know if you were there when the class, the question was asked, you know, you know about the creation and, and evolution. You know, that's a very debated question among Christians. I think if you go to the reform side, they would be what we would call progressive creationist, meaning they would integrate some some of the, uh, evolution in in their mindset. 
And the big question is, are the six days in Genesis 1 and 2, literal 24-hour days? You know, there's a whole debate about it. You have the framework hypothesis, and you have the literal interpretation uh, view. And, and the point is, when someone, and I did say in the class, like my one of my cousins, he's an astrophysicist, there is no way I can have a conversation about the gospel if I start with evolution and says, you've got to believe in six days, six times, 24 hours. This mm. conversation would never happen. So am I right. dropping my convictions by letting that conversation go? I am not. I'm going to the core of the conversation, which is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Mm. First John 18, you know, it's the power of God. The preaching of the cross is the power of God. So when I start to integrate some secondary, white, even tertiary points in my theology in the conversation, then I'm losing the ground of having a constructive fellowship or relationship with someone that I could actually help them, you know, get, be closer to God. So theology is a very great help in, in knowing who God is, but in the in the wrong hands, and I want to say in the wrong mouth. It's divisive for, for the wrong reasons. I don't have to agree with someone 100% to be in fellowship with them. I just, I, again, thief on the cross, he's there on the cross, you know, just, he, he doesn't know anything. He just, you're, okay, well, I guess you're the savior of the world. Well, remember me when, you, when you're in, in your kingdom. Yep, you'll be with me. And that's it. That was the end of it. The, the knowledge that he had, no idea of any theological understanding. He needs heart. He was convicted by the Holy Spirit in John 16, 8. And that's all it took for him to be saved. So it does not mean I don't want to have strong convictions. I do, but my convictions shouldn't be weapons. I like that. What that made me think of is how the goal, I, I think going back to when I was a very baby, baby Christian, weeks, weeks old, I just wanted to know more about him. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to know more about the Lord. And so what did I do? The same thing I did in the world anytime I wanted to know more about anyone, right? I couldn't stalk Jesus on Facebook, but I could definitely find books other people had written about Mm -hmm. him to read. So I started pursuing secondhand thoughts, secondhand reflections. And it's not the worst thing I could have done, but it definitely led me down a very bumpy, contradictory path of some confusion. And luckily I had a local church that was very steady Mm -hmm. that I was going back to multiple times a week to kind of even myself out. And I was leaning into the Lord and he kind of helps, you know, he highlights what should be highlighted and, and doesn't. But I think the big thing is he calls us to know him more and we have access to him directly. So when we go off and start looking at, you know, the the systematic theology books because we want to be a grade A student with AP credits in God, well, that's that's not necessarily wrong, but did you realize you can know him by just talking to him and going to his word specifically mm-hmm. and relying on him and, and building a relationship mm-hmm. with him? Rather than Facebook stalk the guy, you can you can have him for real. And that's, I think, something that causes all this theological division because we start going down holes and paths of different denominational writings or opinions or thoughts of other people passionately obsessed with knowing more about the Lord. 
but we're not going to the Lord because when I've never had an issue with any believer that really just loves being with the Lord, praising the Lord, praying to the Lord, reading his word specifically, we could go to completely different churches and we find plenty to talk about and very little squabbling. Yeah, I mean, in, in, in a way, I think it's interesting because uh, what you're saying is not like in, inherently incompatible with the idea of having a high view of theology. Right. I think you know, the problem is that when my high view of theology gets in the way of me knowing God and me fellowshipping, fellowshipping with brothers and sisters. So it's almost like sometimes we have this idea like, okay, well, it's either or, right? Uh, right. And I think this is not what we're saying. What we're saying is that when you're using, as I said earlier, our theology as a weapon, instead mm-hmm. of as a way to be able to, you know, it's the same thing. Are we building bridges or are we building walls? It's either or. It's always right. the same thing all the time. And I, I have a student here that Missioness uh, that, you know, went away for the summer and came back and then spent the summer visiting friends and went to a church, a reformed church. And came back and said, "Well, you know what? I heard things that I don't hear in the, in the church here." And then I could have had, you know, I could have had two ways of handling it. So I said, "Well, you know, what do you want to do about it?" And she, said, "I'd like to talk to you about that." Okay, okay. So, so we we had a conversation. Then I said, uh, and 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 the person said, "Should I should I be concerned that I have questions?" I said, "No, you should be concerned when you when you don't have questions." Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the thing, in, meaning like it's the first time in your life where you are going to be questioning what you've heard to know if you actually believe it or not. This is how you build convictions. So we went through, you know, the five points of Calvinism and, and you know, like you, you mentioned limited atonement earlier. And it's what do you think? So I gave her a verse, the first John, two, first, first John 2, 2. And I said, you read that. And then when you, when you come back to me and then you tell me what you think about it. And the conversation that went on for maybe a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks, and we had, and then, and then, I think, well, the person arrived to a conclusion. Okay, this is what I believe now. And I'm very happy about the fact that we had this open conversation, but also very happy with the fact that you can find answer in scriptures. You know, like you were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to read John First John two two as an example, and then he speaks about the propitiation for our sins, and not not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. So he's making a point by him. He says, "How do you interpret the verse if you believe in limited atonement?" You know, that's the we. So I'm not saying that those guys. I don't have an issue with them. I have an issue with the fact that you need to tell me what you think about the verse. Then we went back to scriptures. We had the conversation, and that was very, very helpful. But then, if the person decided, well, I'm going to go the other way, you know, and this is what I believe. Okay, and we had a conversation. I did my best in sharing what I believe is biblical. And I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm one of my best friends. He's pastoring a church in Memphis, Tennessee. He's a Reformed Baptist. I've known him when I was 18 years old. So 32 years ago, we met. We're friends today. I'm going to see him in two weeks. He's going to come and visit. It doesn't get in the way of our friendship or our fellowship at all. Like, would I be right. able to work with him in the church? I don't think he would want that, and I wouldn't want that either, because we have differences in the way we understand what we mm-hmm. would teach. And there would be division in the church if I would be in the pulpit one week and he would be in the pulpit the other week. But uh, do I love him as a brother? I completely do. Do I uh, enjoy visiting him in Tennessee when I can and attending the church and worship with him? Completely, I do. And and it, he's very convicted in his in his in his doctrine i'm very strongly believe that that i what i have is 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 true and but that does not get in the way of our friendship or fellowship at all mm-hmm. see and i think that dials that that right there that dials in 
a beautiful, humbling position Mm -hmm. that like, okay, fine. You know what? We both believe that you got to have Jesus Christ to get to heaven. Got it. We got our gospel dialed in. Fine. How it all plays out. I, I, I actually love like Mark and Matthew where, you know, they're bringing the children to Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, and the disciples are like trying to push them away. No, no, no kids, no kids. But then Jesus is like, he's like, look, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, like a child. And it made me think like, well, you guys are saying it takes you right back to where the gospel. And I think this becomes a battleground too sometimes Mm -hmm. because people are like, no, 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 no. The gospel's not good enough, but wait, Thief on the cross, that point of salvation, that understanding that Jesus died on a, on a cross for our sins to, to wipe them away so that like we could be in those moments of praise and worship and, and, and just ad, adorning mm-hmm. this God who gave us this opportunity to go from death to life. And I think we miss that. And I think in maturity, like you and your friend, there's this maturity level. Like you were, you were actually talking about this at the very beginning. You know, the professor stands up there and he says, yeah, I'm very confident in what I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, look, you want to believe something else? You know, mo- you know, some might be controversial, but most guys that are people that I see, pastors I see, or, or even non-pastors that I see, men and women in the word of God, usually end up at one place. Let's praise God. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's worship God together. And I think that some of this becomes biased because we start to put judgments. We start to see the world crumbling. Look, here's another aspect we haven't even touched. You know, we see the world crumbling. We see society crumbling. We And, and, and I'm telling you, it is like a magnet, like a magnet to, from that. And it draws you to the word of God where you want to just start beating people down. It's like, no, 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 because you're seeing things fall apart. And you're like, wait, we can't get loose. We can't stay loose. No, we got to tighten the ship. You know, like the ship is going down, right? And, and what are they doing? They're running around the boat and they're shutting all the doors. And they're like, no, 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 no. But every time they shut the door, well, they're cutting off a compartment. Mm-hmm. But what's cool about a boat is each compartment that they're closing off, they're bringing everyone closer together. So if we would just come back, close off those compartments of like fighting over secondary theology. Mm-hmm. And just come back together into the main portion of the of the of the sinking ship and stick in the gospel, because I think that's where the love is going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I remember uh, Billy Graham says one day, you know, like because you have the idea of, of what we call um, ecumenism, which is all the churches getting together. I don't I don't necessarily think it's a good thing. I think there is mm. there is churches, you know. I mean, of course, there are some churches that need to be exposed because they, they you know, they preach the wrong right. gospel. It's very destructive, you know, for, for, for um, um, uh, the church, but in itself. But the point I'm making is that Billy Graham said one day, you know, I'm not interested in ecumenism, you know, like in in that sense, like I'm building relationship with every church. But then, if I go to the cross and you go to the cross, this is where we'll find unity. And I think this is a beautiful way of saying it. Like our unity, what makes us born again Christians, because we all believe in Christ as our Savior. And then it's, I, and that's the key, really. Is like, okay, well, and and then with the idea that I don't have to correct everybody else. Like, okay, we're I'm in the church here. I'm working on stuff. You know, I can occupy my life by two ways. Either I go out there and show everybody how they're wrong, or I can take care of the people that put put in my life and help them grow in their relationship with God. If I spend mm-hmm. my time, and, and when I do have a conversation, we have serious theological conversations like I did with the students. Okay, well, 
this is the data in the Bible you have to integrate in your thinking. So we have this on and on in a one-on-one -on -one conversation that can be tense, but it's not a weapon. It's just, you know, it's not like me spending time or anybody spending time with other people to correct them. I'm not interested in what's going on in the church down the street. You know, I'm praying for them. I hope that they're praying, preaching the gospel. I hope that they are doing what they, God wants them to do. But I'm, I'm set, you know, just like Paul, he would not get out uh, of his ministry. Just Nehemiah he refused to go down from the wall. You know, he's, gonna, he's not going to go down there and debate whether it's legal for him to do that. I'm going to build the wall. You do what you got to do. And, you know, as you guys say in America, you do you, I'll do me. You know, and that's, I think it, <laughs> it applies well in our, you know, in, our, in our Christian life as well. So, Philippe, where, where do we land in, in this and how, what's a good way for people who are, are outside of this kind of but seeing this and, and can really glean something from, from you know, and, and move forward so that they can at least sit there and say, hey, you know what, it's going to be okay. I would say, you know, like I, you know, almost we should mind our own business in, in one way. You know, I have mm. my convictions. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm be, like Romans 14, Paul makes a big point that, the servant of the Lord will fall and stand before God. That, that's what we want to do. So, the whole, I mean, anybody who listens to this podcast could read Romans 14 and realize how Paul is strongly stressing the idea of personal convictions and that everybody else would mind their own business. You know, that's the whole point of Romans 14. And the other one is John 13, 39. Jesus said that they will know you are my disciple by the love you have for, for one another. So the only one mark that Jesus left us to show the world we're disciples of him is that we, we love one another. If I'm so occupied with showing how wrong you are, and then, then I don't love you. But if I love you, then I can, we can still have a disagreement and conversation, but we can still love each other. And I think it's the one thing that Christ left with us. Okay, okay they will know other disciples. They will know the disciples of that Confucius over there by one thing. They will know the disciple of... Socrates, by other things, they will know the disciple of Christ, but the love they have for one another. You know, if I, if I forget that, then I'm gonna I'm gonna use my knowledge, my my rhetoric, you know, my my debating and my theology for the wrong reasons, and many times because I want to prove people wrong, because I want to be the one who is right. And if I occupy my life with this, I'm completely beside the purpose of God in my life. Amen. Thank you so Amen. much yeah, for being here. You've said so much that is just encouraging, that's building us up, making, hopefully making listeners think. So um, we're definitely in the show notes going to put a link to the free Bible college courses that you can access through the Maryland Bible College and Seminary. Mm -hmm. um, that'll be up there. And we will also remind you guys to go to thepantrypodcast.com because a lot of verses got dropped and they will all be listed in our show notes. So until next time. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the show. Subscribe wherever you podcast and catch other great shows on the Edify app, Spark Radio, Spark Network on Uplifted and Eternity Ready Radio.